Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com, use promo code PNF20, and save 20% off your jig order. This is the Chasing the Tide Saltwater segment on the Paladin Fin Network. I'm your host, Dustin Nichols. Come along for the saltwater shenanigans. All right, everybody. Hey, welcome to another edition of Chasing the Tide Saltwater segment here on the Paladin Fin Network. I'm your host, Dustin Nichols, and with me tonight, Got a one and only Jason Broach. What's up? Yeah, yeah. What's up, man? <laughs> I'm great. I'm I'm ecstatic to have you on here, brother. It, it's a, it, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm glad to be here. <laughs> man, yeah. I, I I've seen your name um, plastered around the KBF leaderboards and stuff here and there on uh, on both sides of the the cars there, uh, Redfish Challenge Series and some of the Trail Series events, some of the bigger tournaments too. Um, so man, I was just like, man, if there's somebody out there that transitions, um, I really want to to get him on here on this show, you know, because we're we're wanting to get that saltwater side out to to more people here with this with this podcast and and um, you know saltwater kayak fishing is here to stay. It, it's growing. It's not yeah. going anywhere. I think, man. So uh, yeah. So what um, you know, like start off, you know, what what started you out fishing? I, I kind of looked over some of your profiles and stuff on Turny X and stuff and said you was a pond hopper kind of like me when I was young, and then kind of that grew into something else. Could you give us some info on that? Yeah, I grew up in small little country town, South Carolina. Uh, we lived on a river, so I had access to that growing up. I did a lot of that simple river fishing from the bank, some crickets, some Catawba worms, catfish, red breast, all that Red breast. Oh, man, those are good eating pan fries yeah, right there, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think South Carolina has, like, the world record. It's only, like, two pounds or something, but yeah. I think it was caught in that river I live on. But kept it simple, yeah, kept it simple doing that, and I turned 15 or 16, could drive my own boat and do all that stuff. It went from, you know, those simple little areas to, okay, I'm going to go try a big lake now, Santee Cooper, somewhere like that, and then mm -hmm. we had a beach house in Merle's Inlet, South Carolina, so started going there, catching the red drum mainly around there. I also liked catching stingrays growing up, so me and my buddies, college came around, we you know, get get a couple beers, go out in a boat and catch some big stingrays. But yeah, it was starting off simple, river fishing mainly. And then when I got a boat, it just all changed. And 2000, 2007, I got a kayak, it really changed. So just opened yeah. up everything because you could take it anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's one of the, the key things to having that kayak, you know. Um, it's just that, that ease of access, you know. Any of the public easement, any public area you can get and launch 
and you can slide under uh, bridges that boats can't fit under, and you yeah. can slide and, and, and portage over little areas at low tide that has some trapped areas the fish will get stuck in and the boats can't get in there. So, yeah, that's a big plus. <laughs> yeah, and I've, I've done done a little bit about everything. I've walked it down 30 feet wall spillways and you know, just dropped it in water 20 or 30 feet and just made it to the kayak somehow. But <laughs> you do what you do for a big fish. Yeah, what 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 are you fishing out of? Um, uh, Hobie Outback. Been fishing yeah. out of it since 2007. Haven't switched. It's switched though. Yeah, that's just been the kayak for me. I've won different ones, but Hobie Outback for me, that's yeah, since 2007. Great boat. Yep. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, and then uh, I mean, you just transitioned straight from boat. You you always like chasing saltwater fish and 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 bass and all that to begin with. So you just for rounded out in all the species huh yeah for, for the most part but yeah <laughs> inshore it was mainly red drum yeah um, that was about the only one i could really catch consistently you could go flounder gigging and stuff like that but growing up i didn't know a lot about sea trout fishing so it was salt water it was red drum fresh water it was everything but everything yes yeah. cool deal so um so you left south carolina you went off to school and yeah. uh yeah, you got I spent a background a little, in, in, in fishery science or, or on that side of things is what it is. Yeah, I spent a, what it felt like a little too long in school, but <laughs> fisheries, fisheries, aquaculture background, uh, two years for a master's at Auburn, four years, University of Florida, um, worked with catfish, worked with marine bait fish, uh, pinfish, pigfish, worked with marine ornamental fish, dory, finding Nemo type fish, anything right, you see right. in the aquarium. Yeah, buffers and yeah Eel, all them good stuff huh yeah. um so when you went down there you were um was that in gainesville or you were in a coastal school yeah i spent one year in gainesville taking classes but then the next three years um doing actual research i was in fort pierce which yeah. was awesome because great area I, I later found out you know it was the sea trout capital of the world or at least the igfa record came from there and yes i've yes. seen plenty of trout down there that it, it it'd be close to it but I never actually hooked one of those. I've caught a lot of good ones, but there's some little, little still under some 16 pounds, right? 15 and three quarter yeah. or something around there. Well, the, the IGFA record 17 something, but there was 17. One caught, okay. I think there was one caught in 2014 that was 15 pounds or something like that. Ooh. Yeah. I've seen some that have probably been 15 pounds. They, they, they look like snook on the flats, but wow. you get a little bit closer and start seeing dots and that head shape, you're just. Yeah. We, yeah. we see some like that every now and then we'll see them with a tail in a school of they'll be following a school of redfish and they're yeah. like yeah, that, that don't look like a redfish i've picked some off the back end you know 24 25 inches but i've seen bigger and um you know I, i've seen them in the following the schools of the horse mullet too just easing behind them yeah. you know yeah and they, they yeah we've had some videos go around of uh of some of the bigger ones um like coming up and eating like a dink 14 inch or 15 inch trout off of somebody's plug, you know, a big old gator just bah, big old trout yeah. comes up and just smacks it, you know. So I had that big, happen a few times. Big yeah. big baits, big fish. I I just recently started um, messing around with some of the bass style swim baits, and slow rolling it on some of the drop offs in the deeper channels and stuff around here, and and, and caught some good fish on that this year. Yeah, that yeah. that's uh, a lot of people in Titusville area. That was one of their go-to things a weedless swim bait and yes. it, pretty productive saltwater for sure yeah yeah i found some good ones in like uh pumpkin seed with a chartreuse tail like yeah. the, ba the baby bass color and you dip the tail chartreuse kind of looks like a salt and pepper shad almost um and, and rig it with a big uh the beast owner beast adolf yawg and swimming it along the the channel the break in the ledge you know five to seven yeah. foot that drops off to like 14 and i'm just slow rolling it and uh i've gotten i got a 24 and a half on it and i have one that had a slam the other day friday last friday morning i had one that slammed it pretty much felt felt like my rod was going to leave my hands but i couldn't get a hook in that one but it 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 knocked the fool out of it <laughs> yeah that that's what i like about saltwater fish is the thump like there's no comparison yeah. to a big trout a big snook especially at nighttime yeah. when like a mirrodine, your twitch, twitch, pause, and right. on that pause when it just feels like someone hits your rod with a sledgehammer. It oh, is, yeah. 
Uh huh. It's awesome. See, we got those. Uh, you know the Paul Brown lures. You know the Mir Mirdeen is. We got the softeen, the the soft body with the little yeah. hollow body, and we got the Corkies over here, the Fat Boy. Um, I'm gonna we'll have to send you some of them. That we got the rod shop that I, I I'm hooked up with has custom colors, and, and man, I'm telling you, them them things are money for some trout. We got some ones that are broken back too, and they just got a mm. weird little swim action to them, and. Yeah. yeah, there's just something about them, them fat boys, the way they sink, and you kind of bend them. You can bend them and and or to make them dig in a little more and get them a little deeper. Yeah. A, lo a lot of people fish them, you know, three, four foot over some softer mud, you know, because that mud will, will, will absorb heat during the day, you know, and, and and that water might be a little warmer. Or it might be around some reefs that that absorb the heat and kind of keep that water. It might be a little one degree difference in water temp, but them trout could be keyed in on that. And, uh, you know, they'll fast twitch them. But, uh, man, I've had a lot of luck with them, like counting them down, you know, about a about a foot a second um, and fishing them over those ledges that I I, I was talking about earlier with the swim bait is just fishing them in five to seven foot of water around the, the deep reef cuts and channels and, and had real good luck doing it there. It's tediously slow. It's like fishing a, a weightless swim sinko around timber hey. <laughs> or, or wacky worm. Tedious, but... Man, the payoff when you get those thumps, man, it's, it's yeah. worth it. Yeah, that's, I always love that feeling. Yeah. It's, well, it, it's it's hard for me to not throw a top water though. <laughs> yeah. That big big trout on top water, I think that's hard to compare anything to. Also, it's it's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, you got a um, you finished up with school in Florida, and then you you went back up, you went back home to South Carolina. Yeah, I got a. I spent three, four years trying to get a grant when I was still in Florida to fund me mm -hmm. for two more years, and I just we ran out of funding at the lab, and I came back to South Carolina, six months jobless, which it was nice because I had a lot of fishing time then, and yeah. a little bit of money left over to be able to do that. Yeah, but uh, Man, six months comes around. Had an interview with the South Carolina DNR. And the same day I had the interview, I got a call from my advisor down in Florida saying we're probably going to get the grant. So, had a tough decision, tough decision to make, but closer to family here, so I'm gonna roll with it. And it's a pretty good job. Get to work with sea trout, red drum, cobia, triple oh, tail cool. project coming up, Ooh. other bait fish project coming up. So, it, it's fun. So yeah, triple for, triple tail. That's something you don't hear a lot of. Yeah, know. it's valuable it's species. A, Twenty five dollars a pound yes. filleted. So here's a potential good market for it. It can be cold. Yeah. That's the sock of light. That's the saltwater crappie right there. <laughs> yeah. It, it's my number one. I guess cobia triple tail tie in terms of being yeah. the most delicious fish to me anyway. Yeah. Wahoo's yeah. kind of tough to beat too, but those come, don't come as often as a cobia. Those are, uh, you know, they call them ling over here. And, uh, you know, growing up in coastal Georgia over there, we used to, we used to hit them with like throw live, live eels at them and they just go haywire. Yeah. Know? And that's what I like over here. Like we we get a chance every now and then to get out to the short rigs because we got rigs within about um, standpipes within about two and a half miles and rigs within about four miles, so we can we can get get to them on the on the kayaks, you know, and then yeah. catch cobia, catch some cobia and stuff on them. And uh, I like the 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 eel imitations or the big uh, the big hoagies or the Ron's lures make a, a crazy looking eel. So uh, man, that, yeah, that's some fine table fare right there. Yeah. Kobe, but trip, triple tail those, those things fight man Ooh. yeah yeah. Cut you too. yeah 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 they got their gill plates are razor sharp yeah yeah we, get, we still gotta catch we still have to catch 40 or 50 more for the, the project but yeah so i got some fishing to do for those research fishing but, research yeah. fishing that's yeah. cool man <laughs> i know down around uh, uh melbourne Florida, Cocoa Beach. I said I know there's a good, good triple tail fishery down there. That'd yeah. be awesome to get. I haven't got one off a kayak before. Um, I'd really love to. Um, every now and then we'll see them in the in our bay systems. Um, some of the shallower stuff I, I I target, but we where we're at over here in the West Matagorda Bay, where I fish, it's it's a deeper bay and it had a lot of uh, oil platforms out in it. You know, eight, ten foot of water, and uh, yeah. you know they like structure. They like to sit there in sun. And any yeah. time of the any of the years we had the sargassum kind of come into the bay when we had a bunch of grass, um, those those fish would be in there with that grass. But 
you know, we we got to where we would target them pretty much in a boat. I, I would love to catch one out of kayak. I'm gonna luck yeah, into one one day. I hope. I, I do hope so because they're they're a fun fish to catch, especially when you're gonna catch one on a you know little medium heavy. Little, you know, a little small baitcaster, you know. <laughs> yeah, I've only caught two out of the kayak, and one was on rock light, and the other one was with Brian Nelly, so he knows a little thing oh, sweet. about catching treble tail as well. So, right on, man. Yeah, yeah that's that is one of my favorite fish. I agree with you on that wholeheartedly, right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, when you um moved back up to South Carolina, you were still kayak fishing here and there, and then uh. It, it kind of took off you? Just... Yeah. Well, the bass fishing thing, I think it was 2014, I fished the KBF Open on Santee Cooper, and it was, that was the only kind of like non-online bass tournament that I ever fished. And then it, it got me, got the fire kind of ignited a little bit. In 2015, there's a series that started up. 2016, KBF really started up, and since then it's, and I like KBF in that it does have a angler of the year format kind of established and you yeah. know, it makes you recognizable if you can make it an angler of the year or even the top 10 they have. But yes, definitely excited with the bass um, series, the Hobie series as well. Uh, qualifying for the TOC is it's on the list and making it to a Hobie world at some point is I got to do that. Just Yeah, that, that'd be really cool. I know between, uh, saltwater events and freshwater events this next year i'm gonna be busy <laughs> yeah i'm gonna i got a lot on the schedule for sure but yeah i'm gonna wait to see how it starts off in the beginning of the year whichever one i had the most momentum in terms of yeah. finishing strong in, i'm gonna right kind of go with it but i'll be fishing all of them for sure and yeah, ifas I'm, and yes yeah yeah that's how it is over here we got a uh, uh, we got some local clubs you know kayak club san antonio kayak fishing they they have a split trail they have two freshwater event bass events and two saltwater events yeah, that, and it's that, the, your, your, your best three results is what goes to the angler of the year that was the first year i fished that was in um last year and yeah i had a second a third on the bass lakes and then the only saltwater event i could make i had a second and i had big trout and I tied for angler of the year, but the guy won that last event and edged me out by that win. We had the same amount of points. And I was like, man, I wanted to win that so bad because, you know, um, the way I feel about that is that kind of separates, you know, it puts a line down a little more than because uh, you're also having to fish saltwater too. So that, uh, I mean, just like, uh, you know, what do you got to say to people out there wanting to transition from uh, freshwater into saltwater? You know, what? What's your feelings on that about the the, the difference? Um, I think you know anything either, you see. Yeah, e either either one you fish saltwater or freshwater. I mean, there's two there's two common concepts that stay with them. It's you know you're going to catch a fish. It's either going to be going somewhere to spawn or spawning, or it's going to be feeding or going somewhere to feed. And as long as you keep those two things in mind every time you're out there, you'll you know figure out okay they want to be feeding they're going to be up near structure with current somewhere they're going to be spawning they're going to be shallow if they're freshwater they're going to be offshore potentially if they're saltwater um or getting around jetties and things like that so just keeping food in mind and keeping spawning in mind yeah i think that's how anglers are really successful kind of in both realms yes um, yes well, well y'all have a little more tide to deal with than we do um over on the east coast on the atlantic side you know we get about a two two and a half foot tide swing y'all y'all are somewhere around six yeah it can be anywhere from like six and a half seven feet on up to nine ten feet yeah. with the, the right moon phase right time of right. year it's it's and it, it it does make things difficult but the thing i found really helpful is always go out and explore on the lowest tide yes. possible and find those shell mounds and those mud flats uh -huh. where they're going to be uh, the mouths of those feeder creeks when everything floods out they'll just sit there waiting to get back in there and then flood tides whenever it does flood the grass you just you can go up and look for tailing redfish or go yes. back to those deeper oyster bars and pull mm -hmm. a mirrodine over it suspending jerk bait something like that and yes you'll catch fish ha hammer them hammer yeah. them <laughs> yeah that's what i like about over here is that you know we get them the big bull tides the fall equinox tides and and um you know, we get a 
first good couple of northers that come through the blow, you know, 25 out in the north. Got a little bit of west in them, and you get what you call the dump. You know, it's pushing all that water out. You're going to get a low tide finally after you had two weeks of foot and a half above normal tides. Everything's been in the grass. Hey. All the shrimp are up there. All the bait fish are up there. And then all that base just getting flushed out of those drains. And, and you just they, set up on they, them drains. And they have, it's it's buffet line. It's like freaking old town buffet. I guess they got they got them over there. Shoney's or whatever. Whatever yeah. we got. Go, <laughs> Golden Corral, Corral Shoney's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is to them fish, man. It's just like, man, if you can get in on one of them and find an area where the wind ain't going to kill you too much in the kayak because it could be windy. But, you know, a day or two after that that blow, you know, they're, they're still going to be feeding. You know, yeah. they take a break and then they'll pick back up. But, you know, that uh, that's what I want to touch on a little bit. That that tide, you know, does affect stuff over there. You know, it's a it's a little more swing. Uh, you got to, like you said, get out there at that low water and, and mark mark that structure. Mark them, them pilings that might be under the water yeah. with, 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 with shell on them. You know, mark them, them reefs that you might not see. They're going to get flooded and you'll be able to fish over the top of them, too, on them higher tides. You know, it's. It's uh man, that's a that's a big plus right there. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and it you do get that reduced bite window, I guess, with a tide, but at least then you yes. you know when you really need to be out there too. So it's like you can yes. optimize that one, one and a half, two hour window and if you feel like going home early or gotta be somewhere, then it's like around here I know when it, at least with the sun didn't go down to eight o'clock, I know when I can take off work right at the end of the day and have a good chance of catching a lot of redfish so yeah yeah it tied it sucks in that it kind of restricts a window potentially but it also you know you learn that window when you need to be out there and yeah yeah it's good how how um how critical are you of um so lunar feeding times um i don't really pay that a lot of attention i in in my mind i know it kind of goes against a fishery background but a fish is an opportunity opportunistic i can't even yeah. say the word yeah. opportunistic or something yeah. like that yeah he's opportunistic op yeah, yeah. He, if he's you put a, piece, put a piece of candy yeah. in front of him he's, he's going to eat it because he doesn't know when that next piece of candy is coming so yeah. but it's some it, biscuits it, and gravy in front of me i'm gonna eat it so yeah. it's gonna be like that fish shrimp and grits i'm gonna eat it <laughs> yeah for sure yeah but yeah they're 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 ambush predators you know they'll be chilling you know unless you get like a super cold snap and if you know i think there's something that happens to redfish like if yeah. it gets really cold really fast something about their enzymes and their digestive system kind of yeah, messes all, with them all the uh, metabolism all, definitely slows down on all the fish so they're, they're going to feed less potentially yeah. be less active less willing to chase something down but i mean you so you have to adapt slow down a little bit and kind of just really work more to you know, upset them or tick them off more than really trying to get them to eat sometimes. Right. But right, yeah, yeah. But, I ran into that today. Um, you know, the water we had a warm up. It's been in the eighties for today and yesterday. We had a little small front come through, but uh, you know, I got a little top water bite this morning, and they were just flicking it out of the water. And every now and then, one would smash it pretty good. They weren't really big trout, but they hey, they're fun when they're they're hitting top water. Um, so, you know, the bite slowed down and I started marking fish further out in a little deeper water and, and I had a bag of, uh, some, some Ned, some little TRD, some little turds in the, in the kayak oh, yeah. with some jig heads. And I threw one of them on a spinning rod and started just dragging it super slow in like 12 to 15. I hammered them. I probably caught 30 trout on that, on one turd. You know, yeah. them little things held up. It was that copper truce color, and it, it just stood out, I guess, on the bottom. looked like a little sand deal or something. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, just, I just know I've wanted to do it for a while, and I luckily had one on there. Because, you know, when I do fish a, you know, eighth-ounce jig head with, say, a, a, a Kaden is who I get some soft plastics from, or a little DOA uh, paddle tail or something, um, you know, I do bump it on the bottom and tick that, you know, down that ledge, down that drop-off, and they'll usually just be sitting there. And uh, when that bite slows like this, you know, we had a higher barometric pressure today. Um, after the morning, we had a wind go southwest a little bit, and it just seemed they backed off of that 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 ledge, you know, where they were feeding, and they backed off and were sitting out in deeper water. 
And, and sometimes it's just like, man, it's just a super spongy bite. It feels like you're just hung up on something. And it's just like, oh, and there he is, you know. And man. that's how they were hitting that Nedvick. They were just little, just barely, barely ticking it. And just you feel a little pressure with them, kind of like a flounder bite. You know, I don't know if the people hadn't ever caught a flounder. You know, there's there you'll feel them kind of thudded a little bit. And it just gets kind of spongy. So they'll kind of move away with it. And it just kind of gets a little tension. And yeah. you know, start getting that so flutter. They, yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's a good eating fish, too, now. Come on. <laughs> yeah. We might but be yeah, working with uh, some flounder soon. Yeah. I like flounder Yeah, I fishing. mean, yeah. I like those. Just like you said, you're getting those, uh, you know, that tide starts draining. You get those good drains and and uh, those little feeder creeks and all that, the mouths of those where that, where that water pours out and it's got them little depressions in there when the flounder is sitting, just be waiting on them finger mullet or mud yeah. minutes to come by, waiting for that. That chartreuse swim jig to come by, yeah. swim grub or whatever. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, electric chicken. I don't know what really got yeah. me on in that color, but that's it's a, kind of a South Carolina yeah. famous color, but it, it'll work here in Florida. It's my kind of go-to saltwater one. Anything I like, I like uh, that chartreuse, lime truce, like solid lime truce, summer flash, chartreuse. Like even in the green water, even in the dirty water, I, I do really well on that. In that uh, what, LSU Go Tigers, like a purple yeah. and gold glitter with a yellow tail. Uh, I think DOA calls that one Texas Croaker. Uh, you know, we can go all day about soft plastics. There's so many yeah. out there, so yeah. many cool things out there. I mean, I even started throwing um, the old Fire Tiger. Fire Tiger is like a see-through green with gold glitter with an orange tail. Like old school, like a, that's an old school color from back in the day. Yeah, and, that uh, used to be my favorite hard plastic color, Fire Tiger. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Rebel, the Rebel uh, crankbaits used to have them, that kind of Fire Tiger color. Yep. Yeah. Storm Chug Bug. That oh, was Chug Bug. Yeah, that Fire Tiger color. That was, I had to have one of those. I still got one in the original packaging. I'll never open up just to keep it forever. But I had, um, that company Pico Lures, they're actually out of Padre Island. They used to be out of Texas. The guy uh, bought them from up north, uh, sent me some of their poppers, and they're kind of saltwater colored. They're, they're bone with like chartreuse stripes on the belly or orange, and they got a black one with a chartreuse head, white one with a chartreuse head. But um, I think that was in October or September. I got on a redfish bite with those, and it was just insane. I mean, it was just like a pop our style bait with you know the trailer with the feathers and the kind of just pop pop and pause and i guess you know just that that indulating feather on that tail was just drawing them in because they were they were hitting it on the pause like every about every cast man it was yeah they, they were coming up and it's coming right along the grass lines and man I, yeah i can't i can't not throw top water when it's warm <laughs> yeah the, the only ifa tournament i've actually won i caught both fish on top water Got the redfish early. I don't think I didn't get the trout until about twelve o'clock. But storm chug bug, uh, bomber badonka donk. Uh, that's donk donk. Yeah, yep. it can't beat top water, especially no. for trout fishing. That if for the IFA tournaments, if I, if I didn't get a trout by like eight o'clock or within the first hour or two, it, I, I was yeah, kinda, it was tough. That that'd be I, my I, thing here. We 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 have that the same kind of series over here, and it'd just be like. Man, I go knock my trout out, and then I'd be like struggling to find a, a big redfish, you know, because I'm, you know, I'd have to go get out and change locations and go to some little back lakes or something because the trout areas are different. You know, I'd be fishing different flats, and then sometimes yeah. the bigger redfish might not be there. And I'm like, man, I got to move, I got to load them, go, and you know, and I'm I'm fishing my local waters and and try to make an hour and a half run back to the way in, and you know, that time management comes into play. Yeah. <laughs> It gets fun. Uh, yeah, it gets a little stressful, but fun. Yeah, I get yeah, yeah. a little bit of both. So what? Um, so being in the tournaments, where where all has that led you as far as saltwater tournaments go? Have, have you fished around? Um, you said you fished some in Florida. Um, yeah, a lot in Florida, the East Coast and West Coast. Um, spent a good bit of time around Tampa Bay. I did a postdoc around there for a year all up and down the Florida East Coast, inshore and offshore. Yeah. Uh, fishing a lot with Brian Nelly. So he yeah. the first time or the uh, first time I ever went after a sailfish, we're sitting on the, the beach waiting on the sun to come up and he 
he looks at me and goes, within about 15 minutes, you're going to have your first selfish. And, you know, I look at him in my head. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, okay. But, you know, I'm smiling saying, oh, cool. And I think literally within 10 minutes of launching, I was hooked up and fighting a selfish and caught wow. that one. But yeah, I've opportunities for dolphin. I've caught those kings, yeah. grouper. Hooked up with a lot of amberjacks. Haven't landed one. Um, yeah, a lot of cool cobia, African pompano. Those are good too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that one was good. I've never eaten that one. Did you get on the um? The clown knife fish and the peacocks down there when you were down I've, there. I've caught anywhere. one one clown knife when I was down there. Um, a good bit of peacocks. They were more easily more easy to come by. Peacocks it, or the uh, clown knives. It took a while, yeah. and it was kind of a fluke because I was just bouncing a rattle trap in about twenty feet of water. And but when it hit, I literally knew it was something like solid because it was one of those sledgehammer type bites where your rod yeah. just yeah yeah. But I've also, uh, I've been out of the country before, at least to the Bahamas with the kayak for one of the extreme tournaments. Okay. So you did get to go fish one of those. Yeah, Brian, Brian won a couple of those, right? Yeah. Back to back. Yeah. He, yeah. he had it, he had it down for sure. Man. I caught some sharks awesome. when I was over there, but that was it. That's about it. Hey, have you yeah. seen the, uh, any of those videos popping around for that goat tournament in Nevada, Florida? Uh, uh, it's, it's an offshore tournament in the Vare. Um, I have to send you some links to that. Um, I don't I don't know the guy who's who's putting it on, but um, my buddy Tracy Deadman, he uh, he fishes for Hobie. He lives on uh, down in uh, the valley, um, you know, Hardigen, McAllen down there in that area. But he he travels and does the the extreme kayak tournaments, and um, I've been wanting to jump on board and get over there too myself. But I think we're making I think we're trying to make that trip in June over to Florida. It's off of the Vare. Um, there's a artificial reef they put in for part of the the oil spill they had with that uh, the rig that blew up and blew all the hey. oil out everywhere. You know they they had some kind of deal there, and, and it's like a two two a mile and a half to two miles offshore, and it's like a five mile long artificial reef or something like that. There's all that kind of like points. and it's hey. supposed to be yes your ten your ten best fish. It's the aggregate weight of your ten fish. Uh, there's there's gonna be some kayaks that can't get back yeah yeah and there's some <laughs> there's some jackpot there's like a black jack there's like a there's a bunch of side pots and calcuttas and it it looks like it's gonna be a damn good time is what it looks like you know yeah. <laughs> and that's what i've heard about the the summer slam and the, all them over there that they're, that they're great you know there's there's a couple guys from over here that goes to fishes them eric de Louise, he's on hobie um eugene mora he's on wilderness i think he he plays with the wahoo a couple years back um that one of those out the one out of pompano yeah um yeah i I, that's a good times over there i I see them guys talking about it and i was like man i just wish i could make that work maybe this year maybe this year happen um i don't know how it's going to happen with all them dang freshwater tournaments (laughs) they popping up now (laughs) it's tough uh, it's awesome but at the same time it's kind of like man i gotta i gotta figure out a way to make money doing this yeah not have an actual job, but just kind of go with it as they come up and yeah. Yeah, I see you. Um, did you? How'd you do in the challenge series for the redfish? Did you? Uh, I, I won one of the the monthlies and a couple second and third place finishes, and yeah. I think I'm sitting in like fifth or sixth place AOI for the this region. Yeah, so for the region. Definitely, I'm looking forward to the tournament. I guess it's next weekend or the yeah, weekend the after. But sixth and seventh, the opens the sixth. The championships on the seventh. Um, yeah. Man, I'm trying to get some days off. Man, if I could swing it, I'm gonna try. I, I'm I'm a little bit behind you. I think I'm sitting at night. Um, but man, I'd love to get over there and give it a run, bud. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, I, I fished that area before, and and it it, it seemed like it'd be a fun one. It, Especially if you get another little front to drop on down in it, and it pushes them up in them creeks. Like a, that's that's why I was hoping. I said, "Man, why can't that be in January?" <laughs> when my my time resets, you know. Yeah, but, oh, man. I've I've never really fished a lot in the areas that are going to be eligible water. It's like the very furthest south launch south. is like is 
about where I'd want to fit. I want to be a little bit south of that, and I I won't be able to do it. So, like the find around uh, Ponce Inlet area, or I guess it's it's north of there, but the whole Titusville area, those flats and oh, those flats, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be some good water to be in. <laughs> yeah, in terms of, I guess bull reds wouldn't count, but it still there's there's a lot of them around there. Kind of pick yeah, it's got that. Also. I guess they're going to keep that sixteen to twenty-seven inch slot. Yeah, that that'll be tough. I I can't remember seeing if they were going to allow just a you know, maximum of twenty-seven, even if you caught one that yeah. was twenty-nine. But yeah, there there'll be a lot of heartbreak too. Someone hooking into a twenty-eight inch fish and that's yeah. that was my problem. October. Yeah, I it, couldn't I couldn't catch a fish under twenty-seven to save my life. I, I was I, catching twenty-nines and thirties, thirty-twos. I mean, it was just like, why can't I catch fish that are at least a couple 25s and out of, man, it was being all good. I had, a, you know, two two or three 25s and I just needed them last one and I'd end up with like a couple 23s I needed to call. And it's like, man, come on, man, where y'all at? And then I'm telling you, I'm fishing right next to a guy and he's catching 265, 265, 265. I'm like, man, what? come on. Yeah. It's it's a numbers thing when you're you find that school you just gotta if you know it's not twenty six twenty seven you just yep. throw it out and throw them back and get back in there. That's, yep, get back in there. That's I got what lucky. I was trying to do. I got lucky on one of the schools I had down here. It it had a good bit of those twenty six to twenty eight inch fish and yeah, yeah, kind of just went with those and picked them picked them off slowly and surely. Yeah, yeah well, it, it was a little tougher in um, you know. August, September, um, our fish weren't really schooling really heavily then. I mean, you'd pick up a group of three or four here and there, but it wasn't like the big schools. I started to see it in October, you know, yeah. once they start making their push and they're going to start making their run to, to spawn, you know, especially the ones over 28, 29, 30 inches that they reach their maturity to go spawn, you know, they, they're all making that run. And then you still have the, re the resident fish, you know, the smaller ones, no 24 25 inches that's the ones i was really looking for was um you know we just had those high such high tides for so long so i was able to get back into some crazy areas but it was just you know they had them spread out you know the yeah. tide pulls down a little lower you know it, it congregates them a little more so yeah um that's the thing here i don't know how that affects y'all over there uh, with those lower tides i guess it'll help help congregate the fish a little better because I know on them high tides, man, they're spread out here sometimes. It makes them a little harder to find. And that that's how I really found one of the my good areas around here. I was coming back from like a, a two-mile paddle pedal one day, of area that was kind of my go-to, but I didn't catch any that day, but it was almost a dead low tide, and I'm coming across this mud flat with some oyster bars here and there. And, and it was dark. I couldn't see anything, but I could hear the wakes, and I could hear fish, like like the sound of big wakes pushing so I'm like, I got to come back here tomorrow afternoon and see what yeah. this is because I'm pretty sure these are redfish, and they were. And I stayed on those yeah. fish for two and a half, three months, and they they were cooperative for the, the challenges. It was nice. Yeah. When you hear a uh, – sounds like a toilet flushing almost. You're like, yeah, that was a redfish. <laughs> yeah. It, and you know, it's, you know it's a big fish just because you feel the vibration, and it's yeah. – Right. Yeah, I had some crazy – crazy little back marsh ponds that I looked into through some little creeks that were only like five or six foot wide that opened up into like 50 yard pools and you'd be able to, you know, basically the water was a little turbid, so you couldn't really sight cast them, but you'd see them blowing up on the bank and or you'd just fan cast an area, kind of see the shrimp flicking and throw to it with the top water and you usually hit them, hit them pretty quick. So that's my thing, you know, um, if, you, if you don't have clear water, a lot of flats here are clear you can't see them over the grass the sand potholes sidecast to them but you know um telling everybody out there and in, in podcast land it might not get a chance to go fish saltwater a lot just hey, don't be afraid to fan cast don't be afraid to move around um you know yeah you could wait at a spot sometimes for that tide to change and and um you know start catching fish you know normally if there's bait fish around i'm, I'm gonna stick around a little while i will yeah and if I'm catching fish, it's kind of hard to leave those fish sometimes, you know. that's That kind of 
hurts me sometimes in tournaments, but 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 I'm guilty of that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and, and like they say, 90, 90% of the fish are in 10% of the water. It In reality, it's, it's like 99% of the fish are less than 1% of the water, and you got to make sure to find that 1% of water. And moving around and fan casting, that definitely helps finding that oh, yeah. honey hole. Covering water, man. I mean, sometimes that's that's what it takes. It, it, it you know, I I get out there and get stumped sometimes. I mean, it, it, I don't know it, about it, you, but but I like to keep a log. I like to write down conditions. I like to write down what I was catching them on, what time of year, water levels. I go back and look at at, at my my tide my tide charts and and uh, there, Noah has a site here that it, it'll it'll give you the projected tides and then it'll give it the actual and kind of see how it deviates. Yeah. And you know, I like to write stuff down and keep keep track of it. So I got a good little log going from the past, you know, five, six years. Yeah. I've been kind of trying to stay on top of it a little bit. It's starting to, I need to convert it to a digital file because it's getting getting tattered. Yeah, yeah the uh <laughs> that new um the Angler app. Angler app click yep. bullseye deal. It it it's yeah. good for that. I've I've used it a little bit. It, yeah. But definitely, like the trips, you go out there and don't catch anything. I think you learn more of what not right. to do, and that sometimes that's just as important. Yeah, know where not to go, and yeah. So, what um, what is your favorite saltwater species to target out of the kayak? Is it redfish? I guess that kind of the last year being here, like I knew I didn't have yeah. opportunities for big trout, but when I was down in Florida, there was nothing that would compare to like a solid. You know, twenty-seven inch plus trout, yes. especially at nighttime, throwing a mirrodine oh. over the, the fl- grass flats and the what little bit of oyster bars were down there, and yeah. no, nothing compares to that thump when they hit it. Is thirty inch trout that I remember my first one I ever caught, and that that's kind of like what everyone wants to catch down in Florida. Everyone wants a thirty yeah. inch trout, and the first Me one too. I caught, it was just they're they're awesome, and. The, the thump you can't you can't explain it it's just awesome yeah i've i've 29 and a half <laughs> and i had oh, one almost good... nine pounds she was fat though she was fat yeah texas seems to have a lot fatter trout than florida florida get a i mean florida does have some fat trout but long skinny trout they yeah they it's a little bit of different body shape down in florida but yeah there's a lot of long ones down there yeah, i think i, I, probably... I love i I love chasing those, man. <laughs> I love yeah. chasing the big trout. Yeah, that's fun. And I, how, I how many? How many you got over thirty? Four over thirty. Four there over was, thirty. There was one night I think I caught five over 20, 27, 28. I caught two yeah. twenty-eight and a half on back-to-back cast one night, or two twenty-nine oh, wow. and a half on back-to-back cast. But so, and this is the time of year to be down there. So yes, I'm, yes. At some point, I'm gonna next couple weekends maybe before christmas i'm try to get down there because I, I haven't caught a big trout all year the biggest one i've caught here in south carolina is probably 21 22 and which is a, a decent one for here but <laughs> yeah just when you've been down there in the glory land like florida or texas and you know how big yeah. they can get it's that, that's what you want yeah i think i got six over 25 but i haven't broke 28 yet so they're they're all just right there in that six seven pound range yeah, right now and it's like but they were like when i get when i'm on them sometimes especially those ones 24 and 25 inches I'll, I'll catch at least two like pretty much within three to five casts because they're they're right there they're keyed yeah. in last year i had that um i had a 25 and a half and a 27 and a quarter on back-to-back cast on top water yeah and that's... then three casts later i hooked one i guarantee it was 30 and she shook off um this year i've had a couple that, that separated a corky broke pack when she came up shaking her head it it broke the dang lure in half yeah. like she was big she had a she had a big old head on her there, she there's was big the, there, i've seen some fish down there it seems like you could put a volleyball in their 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 head it's those are those are the ones i like i've definitely Ooh, seen snook that can swallow a volleyball a lot of oh, heartbreak I've, on big snook yeah we yeah. i haven't had a giant one yet but i'm looking forward to get down there around south padre and catching some of the bigger ones in, in that area uh, we get smaller ones up here we i i caught the juvenile tarpon in in one of our river estuaries brackish water rivers in 
two years ago, December, on a corky, it's thirty-two inch tarpon. I thought yeah. I had, I thought I had a giant trout till I saw her jump. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought I had. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, that, that's definitely one of the most chaotic fish out there, and especially that yeah. size fish. It could end up in a tree six foot out of the water if it's close. To oh it. yeah, hanging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are cool. But yeah, man, uh, salt water, man, it's it's just that feeling you don't know what you're going to hook into out there sometimes you know it's like you know you could catch a 40 inch redfish on top water in the on the grass flats you know yeah. you could luck in and get that 30 inch trout you could be fishing soft plastics and catch that five six pound flounder you know i guess y'all have uh some of the rivers and stuff y'all have the bluefish over there too and the like the, the coastal rivers yeah they or they more offshore like the inshore They'll come somewhat inshore. Like we caught some yeah. when we were out research fishing or trying to collect brood stock. But yeah, you won't get the big, like 20, 30 pounders you will up in the, the northeast. But you can get some solid, yeah. solid uh, five to 10 pounders certain times of the they year. They will here. shack up a plug. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you, if, what really sucks is when you take one right out of the package, you make that first cast waiting on that big trout and one of those blow up on it and just like, yeah. it's just shattered. Straight. Yeah, just scraped and shattered, and ladyfish too, or skipjack. Uh, you know, the, those are poor man tarpon. You know, uh, if anybody's never caught one of those, they jump and hoop and holler and everything too. You know, so uh, that's like a saltwater bowfin. They're stupid. Yeah, I've, I've, <laughs> there's there's places down in Florida where you could catch them all night long, and about the only thing they're good for is shark bait and grouper bait. But yeah, redfish, yeah. big yeah. redfish to tear them up too. Yep. And it, it, yeah, it's man, a good, I, don't, I don't like them. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. It's a good fish if you have kids with you. You can keep them yeah. occupied a long time. Oh, yeah. and they'll have fun with them. I grew up yeah. one of the the ponds we fished. It was kind of it would flood or high tide. Yep. It would flood in salt water right. near our beach house, and we we go there and catch ladyfish all day when we were like five to ten years old, and we thought it was awesome. But spending yep. as much time as I did down in Florida, I realized, man. Huh? How did I ever like fishing for these? But we we had one of them places like that that would it was freshwater lakes, but the higher tides would would flood into it, yeah. and we'd be over there fishing with a worms like night crawlers with like a couple split shots on the bottom, and catch redfish on night crawlers. Yeah, yeah that, like, that's how this, this pond yeah. was. We catch them on yeah. and stuff like that. It was, yeah, it was, it was nice. crazy, and it's like for real. I caught a redfish on the on the Louisiana pink night crawler. Show Oh um, yeah, redfish are almost kind of like a glorified catfish. They'll eat about anything, but they'll also. I, caught, I mean, they're they're a bulldog too. It's nice. I caught one on a marshmallow. Yeah, yeah that, that sounds all right. I think cobia would eat about anything too. Yeah. They are those those are they're they're pretty curious too. But redfish, yeah. I mean, they do spook, but like at least seventy five percent of the fish I've spooked, I throw to and still get them to eat. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think yeah. that's a little bit different down in Florida, when especially around like Mosquito Lagoon area. That when you spook them, they they're they're not they're gonna gone, eat, but huh? they're a little more pressured. But I, I've been I made a trip to Louisiana before for one of the IFAs, and that was in I mean, Venice or Red Point of Chain or we or fished around Island. Uh, we fished around Hopedale, I think Hopedale. right yeah. out right yeah. out of Hopedale, and it was like the best red fishing I've ever ever had, like almost seeing a redfish tailing every 10 to 20 feet in the creek so it was like Ooh, man it was it's like man i gotta come back here more and they would hit anything you could stand right yeah. up you could touch them with a rod tip almost and pretty much that, that, yeah. that's good red fishing right there yeah that's when you don't even have the cast you just drag it in front of them from standing up yeah yeah <laughs> florida fish they're a little smarter than that south carolina fish are just kind of in between i guess but yeah. yeah they get they get pretty stupid over here sometimes they'll I mean, I've caught them on a frog, on a booyah popping pack grass or a white one. Yeah, up I up, haven't up, done up, that up yet. Up in the grass. Up in the grass. Um, I've actually taken a flipping stick with a with crawfish imitation and, and pitched to them. See the see the reed shaking, and I throw up in there with that, and I jig it and catch a redfish on my flipping stick and rip them out just like All a right. bass. <laughs> in terms of like transferring, like being able to go from freshwater to saltwater, you can literally, if you have a yeah. bass box, pull anything out and. And, and catch a redfish on it 
like yep. to catch trout on it and almost any other saltwater fish for the most part. Chatterbait. Chatterbait. That's my uh, IFA tournaments. I, I've won a lot of money on it and lost a lot of money. I used a little yeah. eight-ounce Z-Man, so the yes. hook's super bendable. Uh-huh. And I've, I've had a lot of redfish straightened out, a lot of redfish just snap it in half, but 30-inch yep. trout and big snook on it also, red drum. Yes. Getting, a, getting a limit in IFA tournaments, a little eight-ounce chatterbait, gold blade, gold head, electric yeah. chicken body, paddle tail yes. DOA. And, and take and take the skirt off. Yeah. Or you leave the skirt off. No, don't be get, uh, don't give it away. Don't give away all the secrets now. We can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't mind. I don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, that's one of my little go-tos over the grass flats. Yeah, uh, I do the same thing. And there's also a um, there's a gambler makes a, a a weedless hook with a little small Colorado blade on it called the Does It. And mm. you get a little silver blade or a little gold number three or four Colorado blade, and it's 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 hooked onto the the, the hook itself so you you hook that flapping shad and you still get that little flutter with it too so um, i've done real good with that and then um man we got some spoons over here that they're they're acrylic they're resin board so they're not heavy so they kind of flutter down uh, they're called nacho daddy's spoons and they have two little rattle beads inside of them they're weedless they flutter like beautifully they don't sink really fast like the like the standard ones the metal ones or the brass or whatever they are nickel um yeah, they, they flutter. They got a really cool action. And I've caught some good trout on those, too. Yeah, the redfish love those. They're, they're, those are really cool, too. <laughs> that, that's one thing I've, I've never caught a redfish on was, was spoon. I had my tackle box loaded with them when I first moved to Florida, thinking I got to have a gold spoon, but I never caught a redfish on one. And One day I just happened to pull out that little gold chatterbait. Now, obviously, yeah. I know they owe you a, a spoon, but I've just never caught a red, yeah. red drum on a spoon. It, um, yeah, that's crazy. That's one of my, that's one of my little backup rods. If they start short striking that top water, I'll just throw that rod down and I'll grab my spinning rod with my little spoon and, yeah. and fire it right out there and usually pick them off. Same thing like bass fishing with a frog and throw that cinco to them or wacky worm. You know, sometimes that that backup rod to save the day. That chatterbait yeah. good good to have too. Um, you know, I I usually have you know four or five rods even when I'm saltwater fishing i have a top water like a like a, a corky a twitch bait some kind of slow sinking twitch bait or a or a or a, a cotton cordell those um the broke back yeah jerk, jerk bait those things work awesome too man like twitch twitch paws you know on those i've had some real good luck with those man um but yeah i'll have a popping cork with a gulp and a <laughs> especially if it's tournament day top water and a couple of soft plastics you know yeah, I, I used to still kind of keep it simple. Saltwater, it's three rods, and I'm top water, a chatterbait, and then just a uh, what PW? Yeah, regular regular jig, swim bait type bait. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah. yeah, we got them. Sometimes when the reds are up in them grass, you got to pull them on out with that that popping cork, you know, that, that yeah. big old freaking rattle cork. Talk, talk. Bring them on out. Sometimes they, they get stubborn. Yeah, trout killer about everywhere you go for sure. Yeah, yeah. they, oh, they yeah. like a popping court. Oh yeah, yes they do. But uh, man, that's as far as artificials go, man. That's uh, anybody getting out there, you know, wanting to start, just don't be afraid, man. Just have fun with it. You know, being on the kayak, you're you're that close to the action, and uh, you know it's gonna happen. You know. You're just getting into it, you know, just, you know, there's plenty of stuff on YouTube. I mean, there, there's yeah. so much stuff. Just look it up, you know. Uh, I got a small channel. I, I I put a few stuff out there. I mainly use it for, um, for like, blog entries for Jackson. We, we're, we're supposed to do some some articles and stuff like that. So I don't post, a, like, every week. It might be once a month, <laughs> yeah, you know. I but to, I'll, I'll get out. I'll, I'll do a couple technique videos, you know, top water, talk about plastics. I actually filmed a little bit today with that Ned rig, so um, to see how that's going to turn out. I'm, I'm going to do something with that, I think, make a little article about that, transitioning to them finesse, um, that finesse bite, you know, and, yeah, uh, yeah. doing something different with it. So, But, uh, yeah, man, you uh, you were one of the first persons that popped in my mind when I, when I saw it, you know, thought about somebody that transitions back between 
bass fishing and saltwater fishing too. So I know you had some good saltwater events. I know you um uh you took the win at the KBF Trail on Lake Lanier this year. Yeah. I that one yeah, I really didn't even fish a lake. There was a portion of the river that was eligible to be fished. And ah. it's, the, it's the Chattahoochee River. So and yes. I fished with that a good bit when I was at Auburn and Show Bass. I, I caught everything in the tournament was a spots largemouth. Spots, spots, yeah. largemouth. Late Lanier is like trophy spotted bass fishery. Yes. I, yeah. I pre fished there the weekend before, it didn't do well, and I'm like, I'm just going to go up the river and it's going to happen or it's not not going to happen. And it, it happened. Happen. Yeah. 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 That, that's how it is, man. I, there's some lakes here that are just like, man, they're my. They're about an hour and 10 minutes from me. I got a lake that's about 20 minutes from me. It's like I'd rather fish them all at once than fish that one closer to me. Because Lake Fayette and Lake Bastrop, that's like my some of my favorite lakes around here. They're small. They're only like 2,500 acres. They're smaller lakes, but they're power plant lakes. So they're warm year-round, you know. The fish are active. They're pretty easy to catch. But, man, sometimes them lakes kick my butt, dude. This past Saturday, I, I had only put one keeper on the board, and it was just like, what in the world was I doing? Um, I lost fish. I didn't fish clean, you know, like I, you know, I've had good days there too. I've done really well, you know, really well in some tournaments there, but, um, how much, um, does uh mental preparation come into play with you? Cause for I, me, it's a big deal. Yeah. For me, it's a big deal too. Yeah. I mean, it, it's big, like, and bass fishing, I guess even saltwater, it it's a matter of I gotta focus on getting a limit first. And yeah, as that first hour goes by, you don't have a fish. The second hour goes by, you still don't have one. That I mean, you what do I need to do? Do I need to go somewhere else? Or mm-hmm. I I know they'll eat this if they're here. Do I yeah. keep covering more water here? Do I move? I wonder what this guy has because you can check almost yeah. all the leaderboards now. Oh the yeah, tournament. like. In, just thinking, no, I don't need to look at that. Maybe I need to try this. Maybe I need to go here. Maybe just this isn't going to be my tournament. And, but That's the thing. That first fish, it, it just kind of, for me, it really guides the whole rest of the tournament. And if it's a good fish or just, it can be a 12-inch fish as long as it keeps. It just, mm-hmm. it, it kind of builds what's going to happen the rest of the day for me for the most part. And before the tournament even starts, on the way to them, just going through my head, different things yeah. I, I might should do what the fish should be doing should i go mm-hmm. with history should i try something new if i don't get to pre-fish um, if i know I, I i have time to pre-fish and really have longer to figure something else but the yeah. whole mental aspect of pre-fishing is you don't want to pre-fish too much to where you get to the point of well i caught fish here caught fish there which where should i start when should i move and undecided so, yes yeah yeah I think two days of pre-fishing, that's, that's, that's enough for me. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to go, I'll start off in a spot where I'm going to get a limit and have confidence and then I'll work on getting those bigger getting fish. Upgrades. Yeah. Yeah. 10-4 on that. Same thing as saltwater. I mean, I'll, you know, I'll pre-fish here and there and then I'll just kind of go off of what I, where I know the fish are going to be. I got some places down around Corpus, like at tournaments down there. I mean, that time of year, those fish are going to be there. I'm going to find them. The flats are gigantic. <laughs> yeah. you know there's plenty of stuff going on um you know it's cool like that you know be able to find them but yeah men- men- mental game is 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 definitely a plus you know yeah for sure so cool deal man uh well, man we're gonna we've almost been on here an hour just yapping away <laughs> you got um you got anybody you want to thank or any sponsors you want to shout out to wrapping up here you know Anything yeah. you want to say to anybody? There's def- definitely kayak fishing. I couldn't kayak fish without a kayak. And Hobie, yeah. I've been with Hobie since 2014. Um, <laughs> the only kayak I ever fished out of is a Hobie Outback. Got one in 2007. Been addicted to it since then. So big shout out to Hobie. Other other sponsors, Lavrance Fish Finders. Um, whether it's GPS or actually finding fish, it it's you know my go-to thing. Ram mounts, Sea uh, Deck. Different pure fishing companies, Abby Garcia, Berkeley, Spiderwire, been using their stuff since I was, you know, 10 years old. And oh, yeah. <laughs> Bioino Power, Calco's Fishing, Gerber, Yeti, and uh, Ego Nets. And, yeah, all those companies, I use those products every time I'm out on the water. So, 
big shout out to them and all the good stuff they produce. All right on, man. Well, dude, uh, man, mad props. Big, big appreci- appreciate it. Uh, you coming on with me and chatting tonight. Um, man, I really hope I can uh, swing them days off and I'll meet you in person over there in Florida if, if, if it works out, man. If not, uh, I'm going to see you on Gunnersville. Yeah, I'll, I'll be there and I'm looking forward to that one. I've, it's, in terms of freshwater fisheries, it's my favorite lake out there. And I've, I've done yeah. pretty well. I've caught big fish. And this this year, I really didn't do good on the lake. So I'm hoping next year is my yeah. redemption for it. And yeah. April, 1st of April, they're going to be spawning. Should, should be on, dude. I, I've never fished it. And uh, I, I'm hoping I can get over there and figure something out. Um, we'll see. Uh, there's a possibility I might be coming over to uh, Seminole for that Hobie Bass Open Series. Yeah, I'll, I'll be at that one too. That that'll be a good one. Uh, fish will probably be more pre-spawn there, but yeah, depending on you know how warm it is, there there could be a fish on a bed down there. That I, time of year. One of the guys I work with that retired out here, he came over to Texas from Florida and Georgia with my dad to the to the plant I work at, and um, he actually was a guide over here at Saltwater, and he he's who. I caught triple tail with. He he had a triple tail down over here out of a boat. But he he grew up over there in Bainbridge and his dad lives there and that's where he just retired to two years ago. So he lives right there on Spring Creek. Yeah. He's he he's there. He's like, he's like, I got you, dude. I got you. He said, I'll tell you, I I I'll give you a couple spots. I was like, All right, uh, yeah, I don't think I can fish out of a boat that week. I'm not too sure on the rules. <laughs> yeah. But um, but he's not a guy over there, he's a saltwater guy, but he's like, um, uh, you know. Come on over, you know. I, I, I'll show you some ramps. I'll kind of give you some areas. I, I, I'll let you know what. Maybe I'll find some fish and let let you in on something, you know. I, I don't know how that works, but uh, I was like, man, just any info, just just areas, you know. I've scoped out areas online, and I'm I'm kind of kind of looking at some stuff on maps, and you know, I, I like grass, so I think there's plenty of that over there. <laughs> plenty of that. And one thing I like to do is. When I'm looking at maps, Google Earth, you can go back and look at past photos and you get an yes. idea historically where that vegetation likes to grow and look for road yes. beds and things like that. So I've been, yes, I've been sir. quite a bit. I'm I'm ready for that tournament. Just it's it's gonna that's gonna be more likely my first tournament of the year next year. And I if I can start out the gate good with that, get qualified for the TOC again, it's gonna take a lot of mental pressure off of me. Cause right, right. My three goals qualifying for TOC getting back into KBF 10 and being on the bass stage at some point, some level, whether it's holding a trophy or at least getting a check or something. So. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, it, it probably I, won't I, happen, I, but if I can just hit one of those three, I'll, I'll, I'll feel like I'll come yeah. something. Next well, time. man, I'll, uh, it looks like we're going to run to each other at one of these here, here sooner or later. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll be looking for you. I'll be looking for you. I, uh, man, like I said, I really hope I can make it to that redfish, uh, challenge championship over there at palm coast but uh it's not looking too good at the moment <laughs> so if i don't make it over there man i wish you the best of luck man pull that off over there and uh i'm gonna uh, give it a shot i'm know? pretty sure brian elliott be there too he'll he'll have it figured out too so we'll we'll see how it goes see what's going on with it well man dude i i, I appreciate you coming on and uh and we'll have to have you on here again one of these days but i, I look forward to seeing you in person too man yeah, cool sounds, deal, brother. Do it also. All right, now, tier four. Thanks for coming on. Now, all right, thank you. Do you love our podcast and want to help support us even more? Well, now you can. You can simply go to patreon.com forward slash paddle the letter in fin, or you can also go to anchor.fm forward slash paddle the letter in fin. Go check out the website, guys. Paddle the letter n in fin.com. Also check out YouTube, youtube.com forward slash paddle and fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We're doing giveaways, announcements, things like that at Facebook and Instagram at paddle and fin. Shout out to our show supporters, Rocktown Adventures, Loveland Canoe and Kayak, Hammered Lures, Fish Mob Lures, TRC Covers, Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com. You can put the Paddle and Fin logo right on your catchboard. Don't forget to go over and pick up your Jig Masters jigs. 
Use promo code PNF20 and save 20% today. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. It helps grow the audience, helps others find our podcast. So please drop a five-star rating in on the podcast platform you're listening on. Don't forget about the Recycled Plastics program, you guys. Take your used plastic baits, put them in an envelope, mail them to the address in the show notes. Our man Eric Richards at Hammered Lures melts those down, makes new baits, and donates them to various chapters of Heroes on the Water. This is Bucky Buckstabber, founder and executive director of the Fly Fishing Collaborative. At the Fly Fishing Collaborative, also known as FFC, we mobilize the fly fishing community, outdoor enthusiasts, and people of goodwill everywhere to create sustainable solutions to poverty and human trafficking. We have many different initiatives to accomplish this goal, but our primary focus is building organic and environmentally friendly aquaponics farms for communities suffering from trafficking because of a lack of resource. If you're interested in funneling your passion for the outdoors to benefit those that need help the most, then visit flyfishingcollaborative.org. Josiah Pleasant, Executive Director of Agathos Village here to specifically invite you to positively impact the vulnerable in Juneau, Alaska in partnership with FFC. Bucky and I have been blessed to be a part of Transformational Impact Abroad and are stoked to bring our lessons learned home to serve the marginalized. If it breaks your heart to know that the vulnerable are literally left out in the cold, don't have community, a home, or healthy food, join us to make a tangible impact by donating or making plans to volunteer with us. You can donate at www.flyfishingcollaborative.org and write Alaska in the notes to help us help others. Through the Blackwater bayous and in the dark Louisiana night floats a duck camp, alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest. Me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more.